right. Good day to you. My name is Fred Oakman, and as always with me today is Mr. Jake Peters. We are P.S. This is Awesome, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 293, getting closer and closer every week to 300, and this is a show where we share our feelings about the current state of PlayStation. But before we get on with the show, I want to invite you all to subscribe to our channel on YouTube, youtube.com slash P.S. This is Awesome. If you want to make fun of our trophy list on the PlayStation Network, you can find me at anchorless underscore 81 and Jake Peters at Jakesaw01. As always, you can write the show at PS This Is Awesome at gmail.com. And most importantly, don't forget to share the show with your friends. Put it on your social medias and uh, make sure to leave comments and rate this podcast so the algorithm helps lift us so more people can find us. And as a reminder, we're a video podcast as well. You can watch our show if you prefer over on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe to that. And for new and or longtime listeners, we have a Patreon. You can support our show at a $1 level, and the Patreon tier is called the one and only $1 Club. Head over to www.patreon.com slash PS. This is awesome to become a $1 patron, and you will get a free die-cut vinyl sticker in the mail and a shout-out on our show. Uh, like a friend, Michael. Um, out in California. P. Scripton has recently subscribed to our Patreon, so thank you very much. We appreciate you. It's so interesting to think... Um, yeah, it's just really interesting to think that people in California are listening to our show. It's it's wild to me, actually, to think about it, you know. But uh, very cool. And uh, we did have a comment from P. Scripton, and he said... Uh, it should be like prescription, sorry, um, is what it is. He goes, hey, guys, I just wanted to say I love the show. I'm getting ready to start pharmacy school out here in California, hence the name prescript underscore N equals prescription. And I look forward to the episodes every week. Keep up the good work. We really appreciate the kind words, and uh, we know there's others out there who are listening to us, And uh, but you stepped up and you did the old, the old uh, $1 salute to us a month, so thank you for that. Um, we do appreciate that for sure. And uh, I, I, I have your, your envelope ready to send out with the sticker as of Monday morning of this week. And, uh, you know, we're, I'm, I threw a little little bonus thing in there for you. And uh, don't get too excited. It's not that cool. But it is kind of cool. Um, I think it's kind of cool. If you're a fan of the show, it's kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, so thanks for tuning in. With that out of the way, Jake, how are you doing? I, I'm I'm good. I am hurting. I we're talking in practice earlier because uh, we practiced earlier for the band. I wrecked my dirt bike yesterday, so I'm a little bit sore. No major injury or anything. I'm just like bruised and stuff, so I'm a little bit sore from that. I wear all of the proper protective gear, so it's not like I broke any bones or anything. Um, and then uh, basically. Yeah, I've been out since like eight o'clock this morning. I've been helping someone redo like the floor in their bathroom and stuff, mm. and so I've been doing that all day. And um, I mean, it's good. It I, I don't really mind. I don't mind doing that kind of work. It's not that uh, not that that's a, a problem or anything like that. But it is tiring, mm. and I feel like I need a shower. But other than that, doing pretty good. Yeah, shower sounds good. You actually, for the listeners who don't know, this is this this room that I do the podcast in doubles as my my music studio slash jam space. Obviously, with all the gear behind me, um, Jake actually helped me do some floor work in here. Uh, he's becoming quite the floor master, I think. Probably, um, I don't know about master. 
I'm just, I'm just, uh, uh, I guess I, I, I'm just, uh, I just get suckered into it more than most people probably. Yeah. You just have a hard time saying no. That's the problem. I guess. I mean, I've done it. I've done it a few times. I've, I've done it probably three or four times in my own house Mm. and houses like in our old house and this house. And then I helped you and I helped a couple other people. So, um, yeah, I guess it's something that I've just done enough of that I'm not like, I'm not going to sit here and claim that I can do anything super complicated, but right. um, You're not gun shy though. It's not like I'm, it's not to be fair. It's not like I'm laying, you know, hardwood floor or anything (laughs) like that. This is like all, you know, laminate flooring and stuff. That's a little bit more user-friendly. But, uh, you know, it was a bathroom, so we had to, like, take the toilet off, and you have to cut your flooring around all the fixtures mm. and make sure everything's centered in the room and none of your tiles are, like, off-center or anything like that. Right. And so uh, it uh, it takes a little bit of thought. But, um, yeah, a friend of Sarah's is opening her own uh her own business, and she asked me to say, save some money. She asked if I could help her with some of the flooring, and I said, "Yeah, sure." That's cool. So, uh, yeah, very good. I'm excited for her, for her business. I hope uh, her flooring doesn't, you know, explode or something. And then what the you need doesn't leak. Yeah, what you need to do in your taxes this year is claim that as a donation that you've donated your time. And what would you value your services at, Jake? And just write that off. Uh, Sixty-six or seven million dollars an hour, probably or something like that. I mean, so I mean, I, I should get a lot of money back this year. Can't put a price on heart. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> um, but dude, I've had a pretty good weekend. It's it's been interesting. It's I had a gig Friday and I played solo out at the Lake Resort, and they never seem to know what's going on out there. I you know the two the two guys that kind of. Jake was the other Jake. Jake Lake Jake was in Alaska, and then his brother Nick moved to Canada. And uh, these are normally my contacts for gigs there. And then I had heard from another fellow musician who just played there a week or two ago that their their house sound system was like not working the way it should, and the speakers were crackling and stuff. And then when I so I took all my gear up there, which I didn't want to do, but then I did. And then I talked to this this sweet person named Maria, who's who's always been super helpful. And she's like, oh, you brought your stuff. And I was like, yeah, I heard that the sound system. And she goes, ah, she goes, as far as I know, it's working. And I'm like, man, I I don't know. And when you can't go into a gig not knowing, you know. So I had my stuff set up and yeah. I just used my stuff. And then Saturday, last night, I played at Voodoo Brewery in Erie and did a solo set. There was a, a an Erie band, some young guys uh, named Do Not, Do Not Call List. They opened things up. And my buddy Matt put the show on, and then I I played second and uh, uh, played my acoustic stuff. And then uh, last, there was a band that was kind of bigger back in the day called Rookie of the Year, and uh, they they played um, just the singer really, right? Ryan uh, who does vocals and, and plays guitar for them, and then his, his friend Danny came out and supported him on electric guitar. And they did it, did like a duo thing. And uh, Ryan's from like the Raleigh area, and then Danny's down in Pittsburgh. But it's interesting, man, how the scene works because you know Matt was telling me that those guys were really stoked that I was on the bill. And uh, I'm trying to like, I was like, yeah, uh, you know, Matt's just trying to be nice, you know. And I I took the gig uh, 
pro bono. I, I didn't wasn't taking any money for this one because those guys cost a bit of money. They're, they're, they were from like a band that had like a Billboard chart hit. I mean, you know, so he brought he was bringing them to Erie. So I was like, well, yeah, that'll be fine. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. I'll maybe I'll sell some merch or I'll at least get a couple free drinks or something. And then I realized it was voodoo, so I only got one free drink. But needless to say, I played. And uh, that's not a dig on Matt, man. I'm trying to help him. He's trying to get his promotion thing up off the ground and get some big bands into Erie. So anything I can do to help is 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 good. And those other guys drove quite a ways to get out there to the show. But <clears throat> I'm sitting there, and, and you know, I saw I saw Danny outside, and uh, he came up and gave me a hug. And he's like, "Man, it's been so long since I've seen you." And I was like, "Well, yeah, yeah, it's been a while." You know, just kind of I, I knew his face, but I couldn't quite put it together and he reminded me that he played in a band called me against me who played at the hangout with my old band signal home and he was like a big fan and stuff and i'm like wow this is really kind of cool you know because i'm like opening for these guys and they they've got a lot of cred like in the scene or whatever like they just did a, a tour with spittlefield and uh bob nana from braid was on that he did a couple shows he's friends with they're both chicago bands those two and, and uh bob knows those guys and they were out long story short uh Ryan came up and, and gave me a big hug as well. And I'm like, all right, cool. I guess these guys like respect Mr. Oakman. I felt like such an old guy, you know, my beard, my gray beard and my freaking just felt kind of try hard going out there. But uh, I'm glad that I did it. And those guys were super cool. And they mentioned that they might want to take me out on a run um, at some point to open for them, to support for them. And I was like, dude, I 100 percent just you name when and where and I'll take my acoustic and play to your crowd for sure. Because they draw people, and that would be really cool. So anyways, there was a lot of love uh, last night. It was a really enjoyable set. I sold quite a few vinyl records, which normally, you know, it's been out for a year and a half, two, three years even maybe now. I, I don't usually sell them. It shows. Usually people who want them already have them. So that tells me I got in front of new people. So that was good, man. It was a good time. It was a really good time. So I did that Saturday, and then I borrowed Nate from the flood, brought his coping saw up. Just a little handsaw, but... I need. I'm still working on this threshold for my bathroom. I had to cut these notches out of it and stuff. And then you know what's you know what's weird. And then and then we'll get to video game stuff. Is did you know like so in 2017 we we pulled all our carpet, rented a belt sander. Uh, if you tune into the podcast, you'll probably hear me talking about it way back then. And then it was kind of a pain. And then we we restained our floors. And uh, so I had this big gallon empty bucket of the stain because I saved it because when you go to Sherman Williams, they'll they have like the, they mix their own stain and, and you can get stuff to match. Now I know they say it, it's it's really just a matter of preference and taste, but they say when you install thresholds, it should be slightly different color than the floor you're standing on so that your eye recognizes it when you're transitioning to a higher floor and you don't trip on it because it's a different color and you can see it. If it blends right in with the floor, they say that you can actually trip on it easier, which makes complete sense. Anyways, we're throwing caution to the wind. I'm trying to get the exact same stain. So I take the gallon buck bucket to Sherman Williams. They close at four. I'm there at like 345. I'm like, this will be the, uh oh, this will be like the easiest thing for these guys to do. And uh, sorry, Jake took had to take an important call, um, but uh, it's like the easiest thing for these guys to do. So what I did was, was I took, I took this bucket in, and I go, "Yo, dude, I know you guys close right at four o'clock. Do, do you have to go?" Just, just sorry to interrupt you real quick. I'll be back just in like. 
two seconds. I have to run to the door real quick. All right, no problem. Jake locked his wife out, apparently, which is hilarious. So I'll, I kind of want to hear Jake's feedback on the story. So I'm going to pause the story real quick, and that's probably going to he, – he's probably not stoked about it. But just wait till you guys hear the rest of the story because it's weird how government can regulate something in one area but have it not be regulated in another area. And it's weird some of the things that they regulate because here I was. I thought I was a genius because they have – when you go get stuff mixed at Sherman-Williams, they put like these little stickers on them and it's like the exact ratio they use. They see that you can create that color at any point for the rest of your life. This is the secret. This is the cheat code to get this exact color, right? So I have the bucket in hand. It's – we're coming on. They're closing a four. So I go in and I go, yo, dude, I have – I have the bucket. I'm sorry it's so late, but I think this is going to be easy. I just need – I don't even want a gallon. I just want – they're running a sale, um, 30% off of all stains. I just want a little quart of this stain. And he puts it up on the table and he sizes it up and he goes, hmm. And I'm like, well, the stick – I go, the sticker's right on top, so it has like the mix information right there. So it shouldn't be a problem. And he goes, ah, you, you got – you bought this from us in 2017. Um State of Pennsylvania doesn't permit us to sell oil-based stains and mix them ourselves like this anymore in these big buckets. And uh, so some of the ingredients that we use to make this, we don't have any longer. And I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah. You, and I'm Because I'm like, it's on your website. And he goes, well, we're, in, we're like national, Sherwin-Williams. He goes, but PA, we can't. You know, if you order this online, they wouldn't be able to sell it to you. And I'm like, this is so fucking weird. And I'm like, well, I want a matching stain. He goes, well, we have, you have two options. He goes, and I'm like, and he like texts his boss and shut. Like he's he's trying to close the office in ten minutes, right? And I'm just like, dude, I didn't mean to cause a problem here. Like I just figured you guys could just whip it together and we'd be go- we'd be done, close the deal. And he goes, well, here's what we can do. And he goes, we have this, we have this. uh stain match program because of this that if you bring in a piece of the wood that you're going to be staining and you bring in a piece of the wood that you want it to look like we will take a few days and try to dial it in he goes we prefer you bring in a piece of the wood you're actually going to stain because different woods take stain differently he goes but that that service is at a premium and it costs a little bit of money he goes the other option is and he walks me back where all like the Minwax stains are, the pre-made shit. He goes, we have all this pre-made stuff. And he's like, and I can actually make – must have been something with what they were doing to make stains. But he goes, and I can do custom colors with the Minwax. But – and I'm thinking, why can't you just do this armoire hickory color that I had? And uh, I was like, dude, this espresso color looks close enough. Let's just do that. Do you have that here? And he's like, yeah, I have it here. And I was like, how much is a quart? And it was like – on sale it was like nine dollars and i was like yeah i'll take it so did that i used nate's coping saw my threshold is ready the stain's drying but how weird that like stuff like that is regulated why would they not permit them to do this dude i honestly think that sometimes the state of pennsylvania the people that that govern our state uh that are in our state congress and stuff yeah. or whatever you want to call it 
Like whatever that I literally called. think that they just like make up fucking rules to justify their jobs because our taxes are so high here. Like I like I, I'm all about environmental protection and all this type of shit, but it's like 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 I had something happen to me a few years ago at the at at, D, at the pen with PennDOT. Yeah. Where like I've always I've for a long time I've purchased cars in Ohio. Mm. And then like come back to PA you do the registration, Title or whatever, transfer, right? And you get the, you know, you get the, you get your plate and all that. And you pay your tax or whatever you got to do. And like <laughs> the last time that I did it, it was like, oh, where well, there was this rule change. Now you have to have the title in hand to do it. And it's like, well, all vehicles are basically financed now, unless you have the money to pay cash for them, right? And they don't give you the title. It goes to the fucking lender. It goes to the lender. So, so you don't have it in hand. So basically. Now there's this whole rigmarole that the notary has to like send like a paper letter to the fucking lender to request yeah. that they send the title to the notary so that you can just sign it. And then after that, then they just send the title right back to the fucking lender so that they can give you your your license plate. And it's like this shit with the, you know, the oil-based stains and stuff. Yeah, and it's dude. like did you know like, that about the oil-based like, stains? Did you know that? No, I, did, I didn't. I didn't. But it's like one of these things where it's like they probably had some grand idea that they're like saving the environment or something. But really like the people that are that are the, the smallest offenders are the ones that are impacted the most by it. And like these companies that are probably just dumping fucking contaminants into the wilderness probably aren't going to be affected by it at all. But Sherwin-Williams down the street can't sell you a quart of fucking stain because the government decided that they're not allowed to mix oil-based state so, – excuse me, stains in the freaking building I just anymore. looked it up. It's so silly. So there was like some sort of rule uh, supply – this is all 2005 shit though. But like maybe it just took that long. I can't believe it took like – but anyways, the first thing that came up was that new rules aimed at curbing ozone air pollution. And it says that uh, North Virginia, Northern Virginia, North Virginia, this is a fucking state, Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C., Maryland, Pennsylvania, Delaware, New York. Um, there's uh, new rules aimed at keeping those states being able um, to have uh, uh, vendors sell gallon-sized containers of oil-based paint and stain. And so they have to sell out of their existing stock. So they probably – I don't know, man. It's really bizarre. I didn't really 100% pick up what the dude was putting down. But he did say it was because of legislation. So – and it doesn't – Here's the thing. Here's the thing that sucks about it. Just regardless of like all the bullshit. Yeah. The thing that sucks is that the oil-based stuff – Works so much better. It's amazing. Poly based stuff. There's a reason why it exists. Like, yes, I get it. It stinks. You got to open your windows. Blah 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 blah. There's probably something wrong with the air whenever you use it. I have no idea. But dude, it's unbelievable how much better it is. Goes on like butter, dude. And and it's fucking, dude. And it like, it just like. You don't have to worry about it, like peeling or chipping ever. or any of that weird shit that happens yeah, with poly. Like, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, it brings out all the oil grain. based for life, dude. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I love the smell of it, dude. I absolutely love it. But any, I, I don't need to talk anymore. Um, 
But that's that was my weekend in a nutshell. So uh, I will. I do have one one fucking comment though, yeah. and it's just because I always have to bust your balls about this. You know, a coping saw is like five dollars at Home Depot. No, you dude, I've never had to one. buy one. I, I know I what I knew this, what they were, but you can have one in your arsenal now if you just go fucking buy it when you need it. Yeah, that is true. Like a big boy, dude. But like, here's the thing: <laughs> that I'm never gonna need Nate, it ever again. You probably cost Nate five dollars <laughs> to have him come over and borrow your coping the coping. Well, my first you thought just went there, dude. My first thought was: you're, you're gonna tell me that you're never gonna do trim ever again the rest of your life? I don't know. Probably not a threshold where you got to make fucking finite. <laughs> special cuts i i really i we my father and i share tools all the time here's more of that story both he and my mother have covid right now so i wasn't comfortable going over there and borrowing shit and he does have a jigsaw and i thought about just using that and i told nate i said hey i'll just use a jigsaw do you have a jigsaw and he's like dude i'll do you one better i've got a coping saw i think that'd be perfect and i'm like Okay, I was like, you don't have to bring it over if it's an extra trip. And he goes, no, dude. He goes, it's just, I have all my shit over there. He goes, well, it's just sitting around. You can borrow it. So like, he was like excited to let, lend it to me. But like, it wasn't that I wouldn't go buy one. He suggested the coping. And if I would have thought of it, I would have just went and bought one because I didn't know they were that cheap. But anyways, I digress. There's more to the story always. <laughs> but uh, it's fine. You can bust my balls all you want. Um let me see here. Yeah. All right. So all that happened. Um, all right. So the first thing we we do is we get into, I think we talk about games that we're playing next. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk about games that we're playing next on the podcast. And uh, we are well into this bad boy. And the interesting thing is, is that I, I did, Jake, at your recommendation, I powered up and I – plus uh, – uh, plus – plus essentials whatever it is i never know what the fuck it's called plus the second tier what is it it's plus ps plus essentials ps plus extra extra yes and premium so extra has the ascent which is kind of like a and i always thought this was like a turn-based dude and you corrected me on that on our text messages but it's fun i'm pretty far it's kind of tough but uh single player it's kind of tough but I, i think it'd be fun to roll around with another person in that game um, it's a uh, it's it's pretty legit. I wonder if they balanced it because I played it when it first came out, mm-hmm. and they had you like it'd be like, there'd be like a quest where you're going from like A to B. Ugh. You have to like go from like the town to this place to get to a quest, and they have you have you have to like go through fucking mobs of enemies that are way harder that like yeah. way above your no, level. No, it's still that and way. It, okay, D- you didn't have any problems with like the loading and stuff, did you? It took a little longer than I thought it was going to take because you were like, dude, it takes forever. And I was like, but oh, it's, the not PS- like it's not like eight minutes. No, not even close. Okay. Because I, I timed it once. And for me to like with the original Xbox One S, so not the last generation with the regular hard drive, it cost uh, – I think it took eight minutes just to load the title screen. Mm. That's wild. So, no, it, it's probably like – 45 seconds to a minute. That's not bad. No. I mean, it's 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 still not great, but it's not bad. Yeah. And But I do think that the game is cool, man. I, I love the aesthetic of it, and I love the way that it plays. I do think it does have some balance issues that kind of yeah. keep it from being, like, truly amazing. Sur- but it is really cool. I'm surprised there aren't more games like this, this style. Like, the art is really nice. Um, 
and it's it's a really big world and it's fun. The, even like the cutscenes are kind of cool. They're all voice acted and stuff, but not by your character, but by the by the NPCs. Like the the cutscenes, it's not just text. There are some text. It's it's got a it's a cyberpunk kind of like. It's not a new game, um, but it's it's kind of got a cyberpunk theme to it. Right now, I'm a little disappointed in the in the variants of weapons available. It doesn't seem like there's a, oh yeah it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of different options for weapons. But there are there is like a skill tree for your character and different definitely different armor that changes your appearance and stuff. So I've been playing that. PGA 2K23 is also uh, a PS Plus. Uh, what the fuck is it? Premium? No. What is it? Extra. Extra. Why can't – that's such a bad word for it. PS Plus Extra and uh, I posted a video, dude. I had like a, a – maybe like a 200-yard eagle. It was awesome. It's on our YouTube channel. And it's nice. weird because I used like the share thing. I recorded the video and uploaded it to YouTube that way and uh, you know, one black talent had written in and he goes, is this an eagle? And I was like, I think, I think it was a par four. So – He's uh, showing off a little bit of his golf knowledge there. But, yeah, it, if it was a par four, I made it on my second shot. That would make it an eagle. Now, it definitely wasn't a par three. Um, that would have just been a birdie. And if it was a par five, it would have been an albatross, which would have been unheard of. So I'm pretty sure it was an eagle. But uh, So I've been playing that. But back to what I, when I uploaded it, it's weird because the colors seem washed out on the upload compared to how the game looked in real life. Yeah, I'm watching it right now. It looks it literally looks like you have the the brightness turned up to the max. I don't know why it uploaded like that. It didn't look like that when I played it, but it's a hell of a it's shot. So strange. Yeah, it was a hell of a shot. Um I had to share it. And then I'm still working on the Walking Dead definitive series. Those uploads have been great. Um I have uh I've done I've gone through uh season 2 episode 3. We're we're going into season 2 episode 4. And I believe we have a season two, episode five, and then we'll put that season to rest. So as time permits, I'll be doing that. Um, I was very tempted, Jake, on buying Baldur's Gate 3. My brother purchased it. He kept sending me this picture of a character that was like a dwarf, but he looked that his character looked really fucking awkward. And I didn't know if like he thought the person looked funny or if he was like, here's my character. So I didn't know how to respond. I wanted to be like, dude, that, that character looks fucked up. So I was like, dude, why do you keep sending me that picture? He goes, oh, I'm playing a, dwar- I'm playing a dwarf class. I never, I never do dwarf classes. And I'm like, oh, cool, yeah. He looks cool. He looks a little weird, though. <laughs> but um, man, I, I really want to get that game, but I, I haven't because I. Uh, I want to do fi- the new Final Fantasy game. Now I've got Baldur's Gate three. I'm watching videos of people playing uh, uh, the Star game, Starfield, and uh, that game looks cool to me. Um, I'll never get to play it though unless I buy an Xbox, which I probably won't do. Um, I wouldn't buy an Xbox just for one game, but yeah, I mean, you would you would need a, you would need either that or a, a PC. Yeah. Who knows, man? Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe when I'm when when I'm done playing it, if I'm if I'm feeling uh, generous, generous, I can let you borrow my Xbox <laughs> and you can play it. Yeah. <laughs> do you have you do you, you did buy? It. Did you did you start it? What are you playing, Jake? Uh I did start it, yeah. So I've been playing Starfield. When did I start that? So actually, I started playing. We might have talked about this already last week. We did, yes. Yeah. So I I was playing Sea of Stars, um, and then Wednesday rolled around and I started Starfield. So Sea of Stars, 
no more things to say about that. It's still really cool. I still want to get back to it at some point. I don't know when I will. Yeah. But that's like the type of game that would be perfect for something like the that PlayStation Portal, where like I could just remote into my my PlayStation and played in bed or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's just like the perfect type of game for that, you know, or, or like if I could play it on the switch or a Vita or something. Um, but I got placed when oh gosh, sorry, my brain just fucking Starfield? I got Starfield and I started playing it. I dude, I feel like the game literally just started even though I'm six hours into it. Wow. So I, I don't know what the fuck's going on still. Like I, it's very it's very Bethesda in that way though. Like the game, it's just like it's a slow build, and you really don't kind of fully get your bearings to like run around and do what you want to do until quite a bit into it. But I've heard specifically Starfield, they unlike the other Bethesda games, they tell you that it's important in this one to just kind of mainline the game a little bit for a while. And because it like opens everything up for you, and then um, you know the story kind of opens up, and it kind of lends you to to kind of explore a little bit more or whatever. But I am enjoying it. Um, I'm struggling with the the sh- the the shooting controls on it. It it's just I don't, dude. I'm almost starting to think that this is like an Xbox thing. But like Dude, I've Bethesda played, never feels good. I know, but I've played first-person shooters on Xbox before that feel good. So it's not like uh, you know it's impossible. I actually went out and bought a dongle to plug into my Xbox that lets me use my DualSense controller with it. So I'm just using my fucking DualSense on my Xbox as opposed to my Xbox controller. Is it better with the DualSense? It. Not really. I mean, it's like the controller feels nicer in my hand because that's what I'm used to. The DualSense is just a nicer controller than the base Xbox controller. But I like the shooting doesn't feel any better or anything. <laughs> um, and obviously, you know, doing that, you don't you don't get any of like the HD rumble or like the haptics or anything, but or like the triggers or any of that. You still get basic rumble and like all the other buttons work and all of that. But uh, yeah, it's um, it's interesting though. I I think that like I I don't remember what the name is of this little dongle thing I bought. It's like a Brooke Wingman XB or something like that. It's too expensive in my opinion for what it is. But it's less than another controller. So because because I, I was kind of thinking like well. Maybe the reason why I've been struggling so much with shooting on Xbox is maybe my controller has something wrong with it. But I was like, I don't want to buy another fucking controller and then have it be that be the problem. So I was like, well, I'll just buy this dongle thing because then if I want to, I can just use my PlayStation controller on this console. Or I can use it to – like you can actually use it on a PC too. Like if I want to use my PlayStation controller on my PC, I can mm. do that. Or – because I don't, I don't know if you know this, but you can use a DualSense natively on PC. But you need to either plug it in or have a, a Bluetooth dongle to use it wirelessly. Not that I ever really do this with my PC, yeah. but it's a possibility if I want to use it. I guess I'm kind of getting in the weeds, uh, like away from 
Starfield. Uh, it's cool. I love like I, the problem is, is that where I'm at right now, I don't feel like I have anything of value to say about it because it's like it feels like I just booted up the game. So, you know, you start out and you do this like initial mission that introduces you to the constellation group. You get to create your character and all that. And, um, you set up their background and everything. I do like the way they do this interesting, uh, mechanic with the skill system. I don't know if you remember, like in fallout four, they had the special system where you had like the, like special was an acronym and like, like S P E they were, they were all skill trees Mm. and you could put like, um, I don't remember what they stood for, but you could put, uh, you could put like skill points in every one of them. Mm -hmm. Well, the way that it works in Starfield is that you can put a skill point to like unlock. See, I don't know how I feel about this. It's like you can put a skill point to like unlock uh, the potential for a skill, but then you actually have to do the thing Mm. to like level up that skill. So, like, for example, like, pistol mastery or something like that. You can put a uh, you can put a skill point in it, and it'll give you 10% more pistol damage. But then in order to unlock the ability to put a skill point in um, the second tier of it, you have to kill so many people with a pistol. Like, there, there are these, like... Like in order to unlock the next level of all it's like of these mini skill achievements things. or something, but it's kind of cool because it's not just like dumping skill points in to make you better. You actually have to use those things. It's almost like the old. It's like a mix of like the special stuff to like the old Mar- Morrowind stuff. If you've ever played yeah. the really old Elder Scrolls game, where your athletics, which was one of your skill, which was one of your attributes, would level up if you just ran around and jumped a bunch. If you run and jump and run and jump and run and jump, your athletic skill would just like increase because it was it was organic in the way that it would give you up. You would have to use things to update your skills. Right, and like Skyrim, you had to kill things with one-handed weapons for your one-handed weapon ability to to increase. And so, what this did is that. Whenever they went to Fallout 4, they kind of switched it over to more of a skill point system where you just dump it into skill trees. And in this one, they kind of merge the two where it's like, yeah, you dump in a skill point, but then to unlock the next level, you have to do the thing to like make to make it seem like you're actually getting better at shooting a pistol. No, that's you know cool. What I mean? yeah, or, I, or whatever it is. I like that. But I do – I like uh, – you know, I love the, the space environment. I love the ship's – um, it seems like the character interactions are really cool. It seems like they're a lot deeper than in previous Bethesda games. Like, for example, uh, you'll be, um, you'll like, like for, like if you like jump off of a ledge or something and you get like falling damage or whatever, the AI character will make some comment about how stupid you are for doing that. Like, or like they'll remember things that you've said mm-hmm. and in later conversations it'll come up and, and they'll like in, in, integrate that into the conversations that you're having. Mm-hmm. So it's very much a Bethesda style RPG, but they're just – they took what they, they're good at and they just like made everything way better. 
like way more in depth. The graphics are, are a little bit better. They're still not amazing. Um, but with the, the, the depth of these games, I don't think anybody's really expecting the graphics to be that great, mm. but the customization of the game is really cool. Um, there are a lot of systems in it that I that I don't I don't even know what the fuck they are. Like there are all these research and like upgrade systems, right. like shipbuilding stuff I haven't even gotten into. Uh like um uh like mining where you can like mine minerals and like all this stuff, haven't even gotten into that. Every planet you land on is like each planet I think is like almost the size of a like a fallout map. So you can like run around and infinitely be just all over the place. But to be fair, they're not jam packed full of shit like Fallout is, for example. Yeah. Most of these places are barren. They're empty, but you can like mine minerals or you can find secret caves. But occasionally you'll come across something like a, you know, like an abandoned laboratory or like a, like a, a downed ship or something that you can steal stuff off of or you'll encounter some pirates or They've, like. Yeah. They've probably it's pretty, hidden it's a pretty ton neat. Of shit in this game. Secrets. Yeah, so I, I, I I'm enjoying it so far. I don't have a, a whole lot really. That's fun. Uh, you know, I don't know what really yeah. to say. I mean, I, I I'll keep you guys updated because chances are I'll be playing this game for fucking ever. Yeah. So just because that's just the way the Bethesda games work for me. If you're so. if you're new to the podcast, last episode we talked how we know we're obviously cognizant that we're a PlayStation podcast. But at the same time, we understand the gravity, pun intended, of Starfield um, and what a big deal it is. It's it's one of the first exclusives available only on Xbox. It's the first Bethesda exclusive to Microsoft, um, to Xbox. And uh, this is the first time as a Sony gamer, as a PlayStation gamer, I, I feel like I'm missing out on something. And uh, so it's cool to hear you talk about it and your experience. And th- and to be clear with the audience, dude, I I'm I'm not even anti Microsoft or anti Xbox. Like, here's the deal: like the the dual this controller is the reason I've stuck. Not this one per se, but I've stuck with. It's just like once you're kind of in that ecosystem, and like I'm a single player, like story driven kind of person, uh, gamer. Like I, you know, Sony has more first party games that attract me to their world. Um, I can't justify having multiple consoles in my house. Uh, you know, man, I, I don't have enough time to play the games on PlayStation. I want to play, but like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the only reason why I have an Xbox is because the series S is like $300. Yeah. So, and you can buy a, you could probably even find a used one for cheaper than that if you really wanted to. Yeah. If it wasn't for that and it wasn't for, dude, I don't, I, I, since I bought my Series S, I have not purchased a single game for Xbox. Yeah, you just have the games. I just have Game Pass and it just, I've played a ton of games on there and it, uh, you know, it, I think it's, it's a great value and Sony with, extra ps plus extra offer something similar i do think that game pass still has the better value especially mm-hmm. with all the microsoft first party stuff on it mm-hmm. but um my my preference is with playstation honestly i don't like playing my xbox but i like it because of the the value 
of Game Pass and I like the games that I can play on it. And I don't mind the controller, but it's I don't like having to be on a different console. None of my trophies are there. The fucking UI for Xbox is horrible. I don't understand why every anybody is okay with it. It's literally like Windows 8 freaking like tiles. Yeah. I don't and, know, man. It's and it's like a mess. I, I I don't know, man. I but but I appreciate this your isn't like a bad game. This isn't a bash on Xbox podcast either. I do like playing games on there. I just uh, I wish that Starfield was on um, PlayStation so that more people could experience it. But if it makes you feel any better, I know you've kind of him hot about it. Uh, Elder, or sorry, um, Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate is widely considered the better game. Yeah. So, but there's a different experience there. Right? Yeah. You know, that's a that's a turn based kind of RPG, whereas Elder Scrolls is more immersive, first person. I got a question for you: When you play Fallout and all that, do you play in first or third person? I got to think about that question. I I think I play in first person. When you play Fallout, you play in first person. Yeah, because I think it looks so janky yeah. in the third person. So, I agree with you. I personally think these games are meant to be played in first person. Yeah. But literally so many people play them in third person. Like, they added that shit yeah. in um, in Skyrim. And then they, they carried it over to Fallout 4. And now they have it in... Starfield. Starfield, to be fair, it defaults to first person, but it's just a push of a button switches you over to third person. Yeah. And of the three games, this one is the best looking in third person, Mm -hmm. but there's like a sense of wonder and a sense of like immersion that is just lost. Oh, yeah, for sure. When it's in third person. It's too tight. So I don't, yeah, I don't get it. The best of third person is not. It doesn't handle like a third person action adventure. It, it, it well, they do. They do in Starfield. They have a. They have two different third person perspectives. They have a close up and a backed out third person. Okay. So it does look better now. I will like. I will fully admit it. But I think that it like there is a level of immersion that is just lost mm. whenever you switch over to third oh, person. Dude, sure. And it's like I get like you. Oh, you want to see the gear you're putting on and all this stuff. And it's like yeah. I don't give a fuck about that. Yeah. I want to be like. In the zone, you know? Yeah, right. Anyway. Well, shit, man. It's nice to know that you're playing that. And listeners, you know, if you didn't want to hear about an Xbox exclusive on this podcast, I apologize. But again, we told you why we're doing it because it's important. Um, anyways, we are going to uh, move on to listener feedback and questions. You can write into the show on our pay- Patreon site, which is how we prefer you to do so. Um, if you have a buck to spare, do it that way, please. If you don't, Keep writing us on our YouTube channel or send us an email at pssisawesome at gmail.com. Um, I already talked about One Black Talon, uh, commenting on my eagle. And then uh, Big Big Box returns. Big Box is back. And uh, this is what uh, Big Box has to say, Jake. P.S. This is awesome, bros. I returned from the fires of Rubicon feeling totally humiliated. I bought Armored Core 6 on day one. I read the reviews, I watched a bunch of gameplay, I liked everything I saw, yet I think the game sucks. It feels like a mid-PS2 game with modern graphics, dumb AI, loopy boss battles, awful level design. Question, 
When was the last time you were excited about a game and immediately felt ripped off after playing it for a few hours? Any suggestions on how I get this to never happen again? Take care, guys. Wednesdays, uh, Wednesday shows work great, too. So thank you for the support on the Switch to, to being a Wednesday podcast. Um, my first, dude, my first input on this, games that I'm really uh, excited about, and we touched briefly on this last week, but immediately ripped off after playing... And this is a little bit different. Is like every GI Joe video game. Like I go in in my heart of hearts, like this isn't gonna suck. And then every time, it it doesn't even take a couple hours. It's like ten minutes, and I'm like, this is just straight jank garbage. And but I I should know better. As far as like an actual game that I you know don't trick myself into thinking it could be good. That's a really good question, man. I I don't know. The last time I purchased a game and was like felt really disappointed by it. Um, I will say that I was extremely, I felt extremely ripped off by the game mechanic in Aliens Dark Descent that disallowed me from beating it on my playthrough. And uh, I never really went back to that game. And maybe that's user error, like, but like, it just feels like such an antiquated game design thing that happened and like it wasn't outwardly advertised that like there there's actually a clock that starts t- to finish the game and if you can't beat the clock they don't let you get to the end of the game and beat it and I felt completely ripped off by it. Um I get that that's part of the difficulty of that game, but like I didn't know that going in. If I would have known that that was actually a thing, I probably would not have bought in that game. Because there's nothing I I, I hmm. dislike more in video games than racing against a clock. It, it just yeah. sets my nerves on fire. It gives me an anxiety. Like, and then like when you dump as much time into a game that I did, and there's no feasible way to actually beat it because you've dicked around too much. Like I don't know, like healing your characters so that you can succeed, and then you find out that like the time was taken the whole time, dude. I would say that that was the last time because I was really, really excited about the game because it was number one, turn based. Number two, it was set in the aliens world, which is really, really fucking dope. Um, in fact, I have a little alien uh, little guy getting getting stabbed by the, the xenomorph here. Um, I'm, a, I'm kind of a fan of that franchise. And uh, I was really stoked on the game, especially since I didn't get the latest XCON game because it never came. The Chimera Squad never came to the, the console. So I was jonesing for this style of game, and then I got it, and I just felt completely ripped off. Um, but uh, I don't know how you get over that. I, I think that you just you temper yourself. You watch. I mean, it's hard because a lot of let's plays and reviews can get spoilery. So, like, if you don't want to know anything about it, and you just want to trust the developer, and you're, and you're a big Souls person, so you're kind of trusting the developer, I believe. And um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know what to tell you, man. I I would say just don't pull the trigger so quick on a game. Wait a little bit, see what people are saying. But I think the reviews have been generally pretty positive for Armor Core Six. So I don't know. That's that's where that's where the uh, the trouble lies. Maybe is it like the majority of people kind of, from what I understand, kind of enjoyed it. Um, and I don't know if that's just like a bandwagon of like, oh, cool, people like this game, so I need to like it too, or like if it actually is a good game. It seems like you didn't enjoy it. But, Jake, what do you think about this question? So 
I so I have two exam two recent recent semi recent examples I guess that I can uh, that I can say, but I think Armored Core is one of those games that it hasn't been out for so long. I I do wonder what Big Box's history is with Armored Core because my understanding is that this is very much an Armored Core sequel. Mm. Like, the game is very much an Armored Core game. So, it's entirely possible that he got, I don't want to say the wrong idea about the game, but maybe he wasn't, the the reviews and the pre-launch information didn't exactly portray what an Armored Core game is, aside from, like, the visuals of what was going on. And, uh, you know, I think I thought the game looks cool or whatever. And then when I started watching reviews and stuff about how the game plays, it, uh, it's, I, I knew that it wasn't going to be for me. It's, it's one of those games that you kind of have to master in terms of like what loadouts you want to use for. It's not like a Souls game where you have to like just like get good so much as like you just have to have the right gear and equip the right gear on your mech to be able to defeat the specific boss and all that kind of stuff. And I think whenever he says like what did he, what does he say? He said that uh, um, loopy boss battles, I think that's part of the game. Right. Is that like that's one of the reasons people like it is because the boss battles are are loopy in that it's designed for you to like learn it and figure out the pattern so that you can develop your mech to be able to do it. But I'm I'm literally pulling fistfuls of this out of my butt because I have no idea what an armored core game is supposed to be. But when you look at it, and you say that it looks like a it's like a PS2 game. It plays like a PS2 game or whatever. Um, I kind of understand that, but that's sort of what a lot of these Japanese action games are like. Like I don't know if you've ever played something like, um, for example, a great game, but I would say has a similar vibe to it is Nier Automata. That game, when you play it, feels kind of like a PS2 game. But it's got modern graphics and everything about the game is it's not very old. Obviously, it was a PS4 game or whatever. Um, I think there's just something about like Japanese style and Japanese gameplay and the action genre that just has – that is this very like tradition – let's call it like traditional design philosophy that when you're used – when you're like in the West and you're like, oh, well, I just played uh, – I just played The Last of Us Part Two. Or I just played Spider Man. This like doesn't really jive anymore with you because it's it's not a it's not a Western aesthetic. Um, but you could be right. It could be just bad. But I, it seems like it's relatively positively received as far as critics go. So I don't have really a, a, a much of an answer for you about Armored Core. But I think that Fred's right in that if you. <sighs> Sometimes this just takes research and sometimes in my opinion it pays to not – unless you are so severely worried about spoilers that you don't want to even risk seeing anything, it pays to sit on a game for a little bit before you buy it. 
wait a week, wait two weeks. Cause, cause the, you're going to see the critical reviews of people that are in the echo chamber, but then eventually you're going to start seeing pop-ups of everybody else that's played it post launch and all of their comments about it, about like, Oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. I do like this. I do like that. And these conversations might inform your taste more than what some reviewer says about how the game plays. Uh, but it's kind of a, it's kind of one of those things that's really hard to avoid and you kind of have to know yourself a little bit. I think Um, also, let me interject real quick. I I think like a lot of this comes, there's so much, uh, there's so many reviewers in, in different quote unquote YouTube personalities out there. And like, if you can find a few out there that you maybe that play games a little more frequently, current games more frequently than Jake and I do, that have similar opinions about things that you do as far as games go, like interests, they say stuff that resonates, like, oh, yeah, I, I agree with that, right? Yeah, I, you, know, you generally agree with the things they have to say about games that you've played and your experience with games. Dial those people in, and then when a new game like this comes out, hopefully they have something to say about it. So, like... It, because game reviews are, are really their opinions. They're not. They're not fact, right? So they're not. They're not things that are one hundred percent true. Like, for example, uh, you know, in, in your in in your critique of the game, you know, uh, you say it feels like a mid PS two game with modern graphics. Well, it does to you, but maybe to someone else it doesn't, and that's where reviews get real tricky. And it's like you got to find somebody who has, and you seem like a really smart person, man. And I appreciate the comment. Um, but like, what I try to do is I, I try to find reviewers or uh, reviews. Even like, you can't just go based on like a website, like like Push Square or IGN or wherever, uh, Gamatsu or whatever, and uh, be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna agree with all of their game reviews because I trust this source because they have different writers. So like, you know, so if you really want to get into the minutia of it, just find a writer who does game reviews that you tend to agree with and just follow them. Um, Or a YouTuber or whatever. Yeah, whatever. That helps. But dude, it's, you're going to get bit sometimes. It's going to happen. That's just kind of, that's just kind of the nature of things. Um, Like I, I have two examples of even like of games over the past couple generations that have really been sort of frustrating a more recent one was atomic heart um that game looked so awesome going up to launch and then after it came out i was just kind of meh on it Mm. It just was not super great yeah um similar it it wasn't bad it's a good example just like i'm sure i'm sure that i'm sure that big box is being uh hyperbolic when he says this game sucks like it probably doesn't suck it just probably doesn't vibe with right now he's like no this game fucking sucks guys you guys gotta play this this thing's garbage (laughs) so uh i'm sure it objectively doesn't suck but uh the other game that i was thinking of was the order 1886 (laughs) oh man where um that game was just had so much promise and looked so awesome coming up to launch and then it came out and it just was not there. It just, it just wasn't, wasn't it. what we thought we were getting. You know, another good example is uh, No Man's Sky. Although I, I kind of give it a pass because it's had such a resurgence and such mm. a, 
a redemption story that it's now it's like this amazing game that that is indistinguishable from what it was when it first launched right and so I kind of give that one a little bit of a pass but yeah there there are games that happen from time to time and unfortunately these games often end up being 60 70 dollar experiences mm. so mm. that's why nowadays um I don't there are very few games that I will that I will pre-order or buy at launch unless it's something that like I know is going to be great out of the box. Like for example, assuming I'm done with Starfield in time, I know that Spider-Man 2 is going to be a great game. I don't even have like I would literally bet my fucking house on the fact that it's going to be a great game. Is it going to be a 10 out of 10? Probably not. Is it going to be a 7 out of 10? Probably not. But I I would guarantee you that it's going to be in that 8 to 9, 9, 5 kind of range. And that's just because assuming, you know, it doesn't get tanked on Metacritic because whatever the fuck is going oh, on. Oh, it will. Right now. I, I don't, Someone I don't will say some shit about it. it. Yeah. The, the, but I – Backlash, dude. Yeah. So – I don't know. We've been. I guess we've been talking about this for a well, while. But basically, yeah. what it boils down to is that yes, it's happened to all of us, mm-hmm. and it will probably continue to happen to us. The nice thing about these subscription services that we have now is that there is zero risk for stuff like this, other than the fact that you're bummed out that the game kind of sucked. But like, for example, Sea of Stars. I like those kinds of games, but there was no way I was going to try that game out at full price right off the bat if it wasn't on PS Plus Extra. But because it was on Extra, I downloaded it the day it came out and started playing it. And it's great. And I hope to get back to it someday so I can finish it because it is really cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I I don't know. Yeah, I will say this. You know, there's no shame, Big Box, in in, in a – a misjudged game. We've all been there, and uh, we're here to pick you back up, sir. Um, <laughs> come back to the ranks, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do better next time. Um, but speaking of Armored Core, real quick, there there was a Digital Foundry YouTube review, um, kind of of the tech for Armored Core. FromSoft apparently have a difficulty locking in sixty frames per second in their games, and this is this is no no different. Uh, you know, th- there's three different modes. There's a performance mode, which uses u- utilizes dynamic resolution to try to keep that frame rate as steady as possible. And then there are two other modes, which are ray trace mode and quality mode. And Digital Found- Foundry kind of came out like, yeah, they, they can't hold 60 on any of these modes. Um, so hmm. there's still some issues with that. Um, speaking of Armored Core. But let's talk about the news. Every episode of PS. This is awesome. We comb over the news out there, and we have a quick little, uh, you know, one, two-minute discussion about each of these points. First one, Goodbye Volcano High. This game was teased a long, long time ago. It apparently is out now, and uh, it's been getting really decent reviews. It has an 8 out of 10 on Push Square, uh, which I think is actually kind of surprising. And then on Open Critic, it's got a 73 which is 20% higher than what The Ascent has, which I'm currently playing and enjoying. Apples and oranges, I know. 
But there's something about fucking goodbye volcano high. I was hoping it was going to be free for us. It's not. There's no way this game's going to sell a ton. There's no. There's no way. It's got to be coming to plus or something down the road. Jake, do you? What is your? Can I gauge your? Right now, the in, the interest is probably not like super high in this game. But I mean, are you intrigued by this fucking game? Because I am. Fuck yeah, dude! I want to play it. I know that it sounds really goofy, but like the idea of like dinosaurs, you know, being angsty in high school while they wait for the apocalypse and like being in a band or something. I don't know. It sounds fucking great. Yeah. Like, like to me, it's like it's kind of like um, oh, life is strange. The first season, I loved Life is Strange. The first season. And then because it was a little bit more adolescent, a little bit more kind of love-centric and stuff, and and it just kind of warms the heart a little bit. Mm. Life is Strange Season 2 just got a little bit too dark for me. Like with the the sibling story. Yeah, it's a little bit too dark for me. And not that that's always a bad thing, but there are plenty of things in this world right now that – um, make me want to hurt myself. Come and on, the last thing is going to be scary for you. Yeah, the last thing I want to do is, and it's the same. To be fair, like I, I'm just a wimp about this stuff. Like it's the same reason I don't watch dramas. Like I don't watch, I don't watch serious television because after I've gotten home from a hard day of work or whatever, like I want to put on something that's going to make me laugh or something that's going to dull my brain or something like that. Like I don't want to watch, you know. Uh, basically, um, you know, Breaking Bad. I I understand that it's like a critically acclaimed TV show or something, but I don't want to watch somebody you know overdose on television and the ramifications of that or whatever. You know, so like this to me seems like kind of a like a like a teen sort of end of the world kind of story and I could be completely wrong about that it could be totally fucked I think it looks neat man but I, but I think it looks great I love the art style I love the whole do you remember in the 90s uh, I believe it was a TGIF show called Dinosaurs yeah mm-hmm. I do remember and it was like all of the all of the um, like and there was like the uh, it was like um, there were like Jim Henson effects dinosaurs yeah. but it was like, like Jim Henson it was a shit. sitcom mm-hmm but everybody was a dinosaur. Like the dad worked at like fucking construction or like, he was like not the mama. Or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so good. Well, dude, I, uh, I also think that this game is, it's just going to get absolutely blown over by, uh, the Baldur's Gate shit, Starfield shit, the fucking Spider-Man shit, the fucking Alan Wake shit. Like I think there might, if you just take the curtain and slide it this way and kind of look, Man, you know, this game might be kind of good. Um, I hope it does well. I have a feeling it's not going to, though, as far as uh, making money. But Do you know how much it is? I have no idea what the price point is on it, no. Uh-uh. Mm. Once you look that up, I'll start the next topic. Okay. Um, in order to keep things rolling. Uh, the next news point is exactly about Spider-Man 2. Uh, and what will inevitably be the beginning of the hype train for Spider-Man 2, as if it's not already in effect. Uh, there were some really... Sorry. It's fine. There were s- s- some really nice screenshots, Jake, 
uh, released of New York City. And they truly are stunning, uh, especially Times Square. And I put a link here if you want to take a peek at these screenshots. Look at the Times Square screenshots. Oh, my fucking God. This game looks beautiful. Um, real nice renderings of New York City. So this game is going to be... Fuck, man. It's going to be awesome. Uh, hey, it looks... It looks... Uh Looks pretty good. <laughs> it looks rad. Just have to see. Did you find out how much that game costs? 30 bucks. That's not terrible. No, I don't think it's too bad. All right. Well, next news point, Jake. I don't know if you care about this, and I don't know that I do, but I think it matters, so I put it in here. Roblox, or Roblox, however you want to pronounce it. I think it's Roblox. Um, at the developers conference for Roblox... They unveiled that the super popular online game is coming to PS4 and PS5 in October. According to Push Square, the game attracts 65 million players per day. Um, this game is already available on Xbox One, and it's assumed this game will play the same way as it does on that console. It's my understanding in order to make the levels, you have to make them on a PC or on a computer. But all of the levels are playable that are available to the Roblox community to you on console. You just can't make the levels on the console. So, huh. yeah, I I don't know how I feel about this. I mean, it's just like a Minecraft kind of thing. But, but I think it's more of a community where, like, you get into Roblox and you have an avatar and then you find other avatars and you play games with those avatars, like almost like PlayStation Home in a weird way. But the games are like, I don't know. I don't understand the the layers of this game but 65 million players in a day is quite a few people into this game and it's it's geared towards kids like it's more of a you know a younger audience and probably what our podcast appeals to um or the listeners of the show but it it's it's nice that this is coming to playstation because oftentimes either we're the first to get involved in really cool fucking shit or we're the last. We're never like usually like in the middle. Like this seems like we're the last console, the last way for people to play this game, and it's finally happening. So that's good, Jake. What do you know about Roblox? Do you do you care about it? Uh, I don't really know anything about it. I know that I a long time ago I watched Sarah's little cousins playing games on Roblox and to me it just seemed like a it just seemed like this it's it was really creepy to me if I'm being completely honest mm. like it was like one of these like completely open wild west kind of online games that like seemed like it was just a bunch of <laughs> it could potentially be one of those things where people are like like adults are just taking advantage of children kind of thing. I think that was why it's and, coming to PlayStation last because I think Sony was concerned about this. In fact, I and think that it might was be a, true. I think it was an article that we talked about at one point. It could very well be, but I, uh, I just, I don't really know much about it other than it's like, it's, it's more like an, almost like a game builder than anything. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you can't, like, I don't know that Roblox is a game, right? Roblox is a platform that games can be made on mm. or, like, you can make levels on and people kind of share them and participate in them together. It's one of these things that just doesn't really vibe with me, I guess. 
Yeah. Because I, I don't really play games socially, I guess. So yeah. I, I don't really have a whole lot of uh, a lot of experience with it, I suppose. Well, dude, that's no problem at all. Um, I just thought I thought it was an interesting thing to bring up. Next news point. As we cruise along on PS's awesome PlayStation podcast, it looks like E3 is now officially, officially done, double officially. Uh, a collaborator that helps organize events like E3, Reed Pop, has officially stopped their business ties with the ESA, who's the Entertainment Software Association. It's not believed that there's any bad relationships between the two entities. They just uh, no longer in business together. So Reed Pop indicated that they are no longer going to be involved in the future of E3 moving forward. So there you go. Um, perhaps this is the true end to an era. Um, how do you feel about living in a world where there's no E3? Jake, does it bother you? Um, no, not even a little bit. Do you- Honestly, the only, the only thing that bothers me because, because I obviously we never went, so it's not like it's something that I have any personal experience with. The only thing that I miss about it is that I liked that all of the, the major news for the year was consolidated into one event that everybody could look forward to. Yeah. And now it's just like scattered across all of these state of plays and and junk that aren't really all that. To be honest with you, I haven't seen a state of play or a showcase online that I'm just like, oh my god, it's so exciting. Yeah. Like I haven't seen any of that shit since. Uh, um, or I haven't reacted like that to anything since the last like major PlayStation so- showcase at E3. So yeah, that's the only thing that I miss about it. Um, it's probably for the best that it's gone if, if I'm being honest but I don't really have much of a comment about yeah, it I don't, other than that I don't, I don't think it's indicative that there's an issue in the gaming industry at all I just think that like all of these all these developers and all of these you know um, companies like Microsoft and Nintendo and PlayStation have found a more economically efficient way to deliver the information they want to their intended audience instead of just having it be a big free for all, you know. And I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just different. I, I, I'm a little, you're right. We never went to E3. I mean, maybe when we first started the podcast, we were like entertaining the idea, like, how cool would it be if we got like fucking a way to go to E3 and do this shit and like do it for real? We are doing it for real, by the way, but like to do it like on an, on another level. So I think there's a little bit of a little bit of nostalgia with just watching and talking about E3 with you that I'll miss. But outside of that, I don't really care. I mean, I just I just really enjoyed the conversations and the excitement, like you said, of like, oh shit, are you are you watching it live tonight? You know that kind of thing, and like, what the fuck yeah. is going to happen? You know, but yeah, now it's just like we're instead of like these companies, for lack of a better phrase, blowing their load in one night, they just trickle the shit out throughout the year now. So um, the excitement doesn't build like you want it to. But uh, that's all. That was an interesting news point. So uh, let's move on to the next one, dude. The next one's kind of weird. Um, in you know, we're seeing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles resurgence. You know, that new movie came out that was all animated and Seth Rogen was involved in stuff. I think it was Seth Rogen. And it was all uh, animated in a really cool way. And I think people said it had a lot of good things to say about it. 
And uh, we got news recently that there's going to be uh, a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game um, based around the graphic novel The Last Ronin, which I think people are kind of excited about. We got Shredder's Revenge recently. And uh, now we get news of yet another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game. And this game is uh, coming as a sequel to the movie that just released. The game will be developed by Outright Games and will be the developer's first try at a console title. The game is scheduled to release in 2024. So it will be taking place several months after the movie as far as the the canon of the story. And uh, it's going to pick up where the movie left off apparently. And it's going to be a game and they were talking about how the art style of the movie would adapt so well to a video game. So... I don't know what Outright Games has done, but it is interesting to think that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles can find this fucking awesome fan base, but G.I. Joe can't. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's good. I think it's good for the brand. I I think, though, you can oversaturate, and that would be a concern of mine. Jake, any opinions on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Did you grow up with them? Um... Yes, but I never really watched it a ton. I always enjoyed my my big enjoyment with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was the the movies from the early nineties, late eighties, early nineties. Um, specifically, TMNT and then Secret of the Ooze, which was the second movie. Mm-hmm. I know the third one, Turtles in Time, is not widely considered to be a great movie compared to the other two. Right. It's the one where they go back to like feudal Japan. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. But uh, uh, those those practical effect live action TMNT movies were pretty – Jim Henson pretty was cool. involved with the first one. Was he? Yeah. That makes sense. Um, but other than that, you know, every so often I'd watch the – I'd watch the the animated cartoon, one of the animated cartoons from like the. the oh yeah, was it? There was one in the nineties. Yeah, right? it was thought, really or good. Late eighties, right? Yeah, it was really good. And then um, some of the video games I played, but the Manhattan Project. I wouldn't Project, consider dude. myself. I wouldn't consider myself hardcore TMNT. Now I mentioned on the show that I I read the Last Ronin this year, and it's fucking awesome. So if you guys like the, if you guys. Even if you don't like comics, the last Ronin is is really good, mm. uh, and I know that there's being a game being made about that. But with regard to this particular game, I just hope that it's good because this studio that's doing it is not proven in any capacity. They've for, done games before, just not for yeah, consoles. but nothing, nothing like. Like all the games that they've done are like children's games. Yeah. Like and they, and they and always focus like on licensed games, like licensed titles. So I'm almost wondering if this is meant to be like a kid's game, mm. not necessarily meant to be like a – that goes with the movie. Not necessarily meant to be like an industry-shaking sort of adult-focused game. But we shall see, I suppose. Yeah, dude. You're probably right. Like they, they've made like an – I think an Ice Age game and like I, I don't know what else they've made, but yeah, I I am uh, not stoked about this at all. But I I grew up with the Turtles, dude. Um, I was a little older when the Ninja Turtles came around. I was probably like seventh, eighth grade, maybe ninth. Uh, but 
I know like all my friends knew how to draw the Ninja Turtles. Like that was the thing. Like all my artsy friends were always drawing them. And uh, Michelangelo was always my favorite. He was like the party turtle. And uh, yeah, the, yeah, the live action were really good, man. The live action movies, the first couple. I remember them being really jaw-dropping. Like, whoa. And it was weird because you were like, those aren't the Ninja Turtles. It's like you watched it and you're like, yeah, those are the turtles, dude. Like, it's weird to take like a cartoon or like a drawn... A, a, a known like you only identify this thing with the art that created it you know what I mean and like the, the lines and how people draw them like they're not real they're not even at that point they weren't even 3D models and then you were gonna just put these guys in these body suits but like I remember just being like yeah that's fucking them that's the turtles that's what they would look like like they nailed yeah. it it was weird it's cool yeah it was really cool they, they really they really nailed the look it was really weird, actually, to think about it. That was a really, that was really a tough dude. Task. Practical effects in like the eighties and nineties were fucking on point. Like Jurassic Park and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Like, man, what happened? Digital, CG dude. ruined everything. Yeah, it did. If you watch some of those those movies where digital effects and CG started taking over, right when the transition happened, those movies, the first, uh you know, try it out CG. Oh God, they are a bear to watch. Like you're like, they look so bad. Like the CG and like the, the special effects look terrible. And like, I remember in the moment them looking great, but looking back at it now, it's just like, Oh my God, this is, this is so bad looking. Um, interesting. I can't give an example or else I would, but I know they exist because it's happened to me recently rewatching shows. I don't, I don't know if it was like total recall or like what it was, but like there was maybe T2. Um, T2 was actually did a really good job. Um, oh man, what the fuck was it? I watched recently. I don't even know. I think maybe the He-Man movie had some of that shit and it was just done so terribly, dude. Like you just knew there was a green screen in the background. You knew like the lightning effects were just like really bad. Like, <laughs> Anyways, dude, next news point is uh, Sea of Stars, Jake, is selling better than expected. They've sold 250,000 copies of this game, and it hasn't been out very long. Even after this game was released on PS Plus and Xbox Games Pass to free for all subscribers, it was also announced the Sea of Stars is getting DLC as they are working on it presently. And uh, in addition to Sea of Stars doing really well, the Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters are also selling very well, with over 3 million copies sold. Things come and go, Jake. Cycles happen. Uh, you know, what's in now was probably in 20 years ago. It's, uh, as I have here in the notes, you know, it's kind of like fashion in, in what genres of music are famous but it's I'm feeling and seeing and hearing and just kind of like I feel in the air like a turn-based RPG resurgence. We got Baldur's Gate three, the Pixel remasters are doing really well. Sea of Stars is doing really well. I think the thirst has always been there for these styles of games, but I don't know that developers recognized it. And now that they're seeing the numbers go up for these kinds of games, can we expect more of them on the forefront? I would hope so. I mean, I don't think there's really a shortage of this type of stuff right now. I just think there's a shortage of this type of stuff that's actually really good. 
And, you know, we you talk about the pixel remasters for Final Fantasy games. Those games are old. Like, they're not new games. So they did nothing but really update the graphics and, and give you some kind of art and stuff like that. But uh, I, I don't mean to downplay what they did when they remastered them. But the, the, the core of the game is the same as it was 25 years ago. Um, or longer. Mm. But Sea of Stars is very much like an old school JRPG in a lot of ways. And I don't know if every game would sell like this, but the fact that it was on Game Pass and PS Plus and I think even it was being repped by Nintendo in a lot of their press conferences... And then on top of all that, they sold 250,000 copies. That's amazing. These guys are probably over the moon right now. Yeah, dude. And I can't wait to see what they do next because this is kind of what I was hoping Yacht Club would kind of become. But they just quit after freaking Shovel Knight. And I know that they supposedly have this other game in um, Mina the Wanderer or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. But – who knows when the hell that game's going to come out? And um, the messenger people really liked, and now they really like the Sea of Stars game. So good for them. I'm I'm really stoked on them for sure. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really a, a cool news point. And uh, you know when they when they agree and they sign up for these these studios, these developers or publishers or whoever the hell is involved when they when they say yeah here put my game for free for all the existing. Members, you know, that company, while they're taking some money from Sony or Microsoft or whatever for that, people like you, Jake, who maybe otherwise would have purchased the game, didn't pay a thing for it, you know? So they lose a lot of potential buyers that way. But if they believe in their title and people talk about how good it is, then the folks who aren't members of those programs are like, well, fuck, I'm just going to go buy it. You know, but I think that I think that the the neat thing about sabotage, though, in this particular game, is that that might have been true. They might have sold more copies, but would they have sold enough to make up for getting paid by PlayStation no. and Microsoft? No, way. no fucking way. Yeah, no way. So they really ran the table with this game, yeah. and I wonder if other developers are going to try to try to kind of copy the strategy i have to imagine that there was some way that they were able to like like fit a clause into their contract with either microsoft or playstation that said that they could be on both services because it uh it seems unlikely that microsoft would would give some money to sabotage just to let them also put it on playstation that seems kind of bizarre to me but who knows maybe it's not Everybody and, loved the uh, game, they, dude. That's just it. They they just, just, everyone really liked yeah. this game. They made it fire, dude. All right. Well, uh, we got a few more news points, and then we will be done and out of your hair. A game that came and seemingly doesn't get talked about that often now, Jake, was is Diablo 4. I haven't heard a thing about Diablo 4 in a while. But... Uh, they released that expansion, uh, or the season, sorry. They did the season. And Blizzard has kind of seemingly made it uh, apparent that they do have plans to release 
a meaty expansion DLC on a yearly basis for this game. And uh, I don't know how you feel about this. I, I, not being an early adopter, I just feel like I'm already lost. I feel like th- someone fired the go, the race starts, and Oakman was like, you know, had the earbuds in, was listening to like a, a song and missed the thing. And I'm looking down the track and I'm already getting lapped. And it's like, why even why even start this race now? Like, why even get involved? Because I'm not going to be able to keep up. Yeah, I mean, I think it would still be fun for you to play. Mm-hmm. But if you wait too long, like if you wait a couple years, let's say, I think that there, you do run the risk of there being a Destiny-like situation where they start sunsetting content and you no longer have the main quest line, which I hope they don't do that. But um, I don't know. I, I More content doesn't necessarily mean that what's there is bad. Yeah, And it so, seems like it'll be paid content too. Like DLC sounds like it's going to be paid content. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. So I don't know. Have, have you jumped back into Diablo 4 at all? No, I got too much other stuff to play. I could see myself going back to it at some point. So you haven't beaten it? I beat it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just have I just haven't played any of the DLC or anything. Okay. Like cuz there was like a there was a like a first season update already and all that. Then I I didn't dick in with any of that. Okay. All right. Well, happily moving along is uh, Annapurna. Um has another division uh, called Annapurna Animation. And uh, they're going to be adapting an animated movie for their game Stray. This won't be the first animated movie by Annapurna Animation. They previously released a movie titled Nimona, N-I-M-O-N-A, which people seem to really enjoy. And if you're interested in what Annapurna Animation can do, and you're a Netflix subscriber, you can watch Nimona there. That movie released in June of 2023, so just recently. And it's critically well-received, and uh, it's based on some kind of science fantasy graphic novel. Um, it looks cool, and I hadn't heard anything about it, but Annapurna Animation is going to be giving the same treatment to the video game Stray. So I don't know how that works as a video game, as, a, as an animation, uh, you know, a movie, but I thought that was interesting. It could be very much like a Wally type scenario, you know, where you've got a main character that isn't necessarily voiced, mm. but you've got a companion that is, and like the all of the I don't even call them interactive characters are, um, but I could see this being a cute little movie, but it's kind of a sad story, so I don't know uh, how exciting it will be to watch but i hope that it's i i i might check it out i'm not a really a big movie person but i really enjoyed stray i thought it was a nice breath of fresh air mm-hmm. their attention to detail with the way that the cat moved and and how it acted and everything was just really cool it was so a really cool game it was, I, uh, i'm interested to see how that translates to just the, the screen it had a very very ps4 indie feel to it you know that game I, I really missed that with the playstation uh you know universe but uh, it's not gonna be well i they haven't clarified but that nimona or nimona or however you pronounce it 
is very much looks like a cartoon. It doesn't look like, yeah. you know, um, computer animation or, or like, you know, digital rendering and stuff. So it would be interesting to see how they adapt it. But I think that's kind of a cool little point. And then the last news point for today's show, or this week's show, rather, is uh, for anyone interested or who was interested in THQ Nordic's reboot of Alone in the Dark, you're going to have to wait a little longer because the studio intentionally dodged October 2023 because of all the shit coming out. And they pushed their game release date back to January of 2024. Alan Wake pushed out too because they didn't want to deal with the fucking shit, you know, which I which I believe, you know, people were I think coming off the heels of Starfield coming out just now and then with Spider Man. When does Spider Man two release? October? October twenty first or something like that. Yeah. So uh, this is just business. October's gonna be a problem, I think. Well, I think I I I can appreciate 20th. these developers. And uh, publishers for making a point. I mean, they're not doing it for us, but they know, you know. And it shows a little bit. Of, it shows a little bit of uh, wherewithal and a, a little bit of I don't know. Well, and to be fair, I'm pretty sure that the I'm pretty sure that the Alone in the Dark developer literally said honestly in their press release that they were doing it to avoid all of these games in October. They did, yeah. And that it would they would allow everybody to have the time to play those games and give their game a little bit more of a chance come January. Mm-hmm. So that's uh I, I like the honesty and it's it's good for them. Uh I think that it's the right decision. Because this is one of those games that would get buried so fast. Nobody's gonna play it over freaking Alan Wake. No. Nobody's gonna play it over Spider Man. Nope. Nobody's going to play it over Starfield, Baldur's Gate, all these games that yeah, people sucked into. Whatever, whatever you, you name it. There's like a million and one game, AAA games that are coming out in the September, November, September, October, November area. Yeah, and a game like this, if it was sitting on its own, might become like a little, a little in, like a little darling. You know what I mean? But wrestling with those other games is probably impossible, right? Yeah, no, I agree, and and I think that like like you said, man, it's God, it just makes sense to to do this. You know what I mean? Like, and they're not doing it for us. They are, but they're not. But at the same time, you know, they want to sell the game. They want they want to give their game that they put all this time into the the best shot it can get. So it, it's it's you know a rising tide lifts all ships. So you know everybody can enjoy this. Instead of bemoan the fact that it got pushed out. Well, Jake, like every episode, almost every episode of PSS is Awesome, we talk briefly about new games releasing this week. Some of these will already be out by the time you're hearing this. And uh, actually, all of them will be out by the time you hear this. We're recording this a little we're recording this on a Sunday. It will air on Wednesday for the for the non-patrons. For the patrons, they will get it Monday, Monday morning. And uh, games that are coming out this week that hit the PSN or came out, whatever, um, recently. September 5th, we got Chance of Sinar on PS4. Monochrome Mobius, Rights and Wrongs Forgotten on PS5 and PS4. Tap Pump on PS4. 
I don't like that. It's all one word. I don't like that. Totally accurate battle simulator on PS4. September 6th, Baldur's Gate 3 came out on PS5. Enchanted Portals came out on PS5. Escape from Terror City on PS5 and PS4. And No Son of Mine on PS5. September 7th, a robot named Fight. That's actually a cool name. PS4. Alchemy Garden on PS4. Autobahn Police Simulator 3 Off-Road PS5, PS4. That paints a picture for you. Fantasia, PS5, PS4, Lempo on PS5, River Pirates on PS4, Strike Force 3 on PS5 and PS4, The Many Pieces of Mr. Koo on PS5 and PS4, Toss on PS5, Warstride Challenges on PS5, September 8th, Anonymous Code, PS4, and NBA 2K24 on PS5 and PS4. I think the takeaway on this is clearly above all of the, the ones. The Many Pieces of Mr. Koo. Tap pump. <laughs> uh, no, man. It's got to be Baldur's Gate 3, dude. So that's the yeah. obvious pick there. Everyone's saying everyone's saying it's a master class in what it is. Uh, you know, we didn't really dive too much into Baldur's Gate 3 discussion. I, I don't have it, Jake. You don't have it. My brother's playing it. A lot of reviewers and people. There's some discourse in the gaming world. Some developers have made statements that, like, you know, gamers shouldn't expect this kind of a game from everybody, which kind of set the world on fire when people are making statements like that. It's like, why the fuck can't we expect this? If they can do it, anyone can do it. You know what I mean? But we all know that's not 100% true. But there, there's a little bit of teeth to that. But yeah, so that game apparently is is going to be, uh, inarguably it seems, based on the vibe and the all the shit people are saying about Baldur's Gate 3. is like that. My brother told him it's going to take him 15 years to beat. Like he's, he's so that's a turn off for me immediately. But I also kind of like the idea of getting lost in a game like that. I'm also worried about the difficulty level of it. I hear that's it's not easy. So I, I don't know. There there's some pros and cons. Like people people are saying this this is this is one of those those games that you're gonna look back at and be like, man, that thing was fucking a masterpiece, you know. And they're saying it now, so. I don't know, man. I definitely got to get my get my claws dirty, man, and get that game. But Baldur's Gate three, I think, is a takeaway here on the new game list uh, for this week. Jake, do you have anything that you want to say to our listeners before we stop for the day? Do you do you want to close things out, or do you have something on your mind you want to get off your chest real quick? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um. Yeah, I just I I want to play more Starfield. Starfield's one of those games where like you have to and I think Boulder's Gate is probably kind of similar where it it really is not conducive to the way that I play video games. I I'm very much a a short stint gamer. I will sit down and I will, won't play games for much more than an hour at a time. And because I'm playing before work or like I'm squeezing some time in, in the evening while dinner's being made or like something's going on. And uh, it's one of those games where like you just kind of get started in the first hour. Like if you remember playing Fallout, there would be times where you would spend mm. an hour just walking around town talking to people, freaking reading logs, like all that kind of crap. And you don't actually do anything. Right. And then like you finally start in on a quest and you, you, you shoot your first thing an hour into your play session. Mm. And so uh, it can be a little bit frustrating from that point of view. But um, yeah, I, I am interested in that. 
And I do, dude, the more I look at Baldur's Gate 3, the more I want to play it. But I know I just, I can't. If I, I can't, like, divide my attention like that. I can't play that many, those, that many big games at once or whatever. So that may end up being like a, like a Christmas time kind of game for me. You know, I don't know though. I'm getting really, there's so many good games. Dude, I'm getting really stressed out about this because like, I, I 100% want to play Baldur's Gate 3. I also really, really want to play the new Final Fantasy game. I also really, really have to play Spider-Man 2 and Alan Wake 2. There's four... So here's what we need to do. Here's what we need to do, all right? Listeners, I need you to go out there, and I need you to convince 10,000 of your closest friends to subscribe to Patreon. Oh, God. So that Fred and I can quit our jobs... And we can literally do nothing but play video games all day and do podcasts. Dude, content. I would give so much – if this podcast somehow just took off and we had like – dude, it's just a $1 patron. Like like what if we had – I don't know. Even a 1,000 people wouldn't do it, dude. It's only $1,000 a month. We can't. You would, have to have, you would have to have a higher tier because you would have to have like a $5 Literally tier. for both of us to survive, it, you would have to but have But we'd have to figure out how people. to like give something more back to the patrons. But like – Well, we'd have to do – we could do like bonus episodes or – this is like talking about winning the lottery. Dude, but the problem is we, we can't – Yeah, but we can't do bonus episodes now because we don't have the fan base to justify it. Like it's oh, too we much just have to be, time. We just have to be more serious about it. Ah, dude, I know. I, I'm going to quit music. That's the answer. Quit doing yeah. music. I'm just going to get it. I'm just going to get a divorce. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, patrons. If we can get 100 patrons by next week, Jake will divorce Sarah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll get rid of all my animals. I'll so quit. I have no responsibility. I'll quit music, which we've been doing for like 28 years. I'll just stop <laughs> writing songs and playing. If we can get 100 patrons by the end of next week, I would fucking lose my mind if we had that many, though. And that seems like such an achie- shit. Dude, that's such an achievable thing for most podcasts too. You know what I mean? Like it shouldn't be it shouldn't be tough. I mean, we've got a nice show, you know. We're I feel like we have approachable conversations. Yeah, so if you're a listener, somehow uh get the meme rolling on us, man. Get the meme train going. A dollar from like ten thousand people a month. I'm sure there are ten thousand yeah. gamers out there that can give us a dollar a month. That's all it would take. <laughs> It'd be seriously like what's so hard Even about if you that? have to steal it, huh? Even if you have to steal, yeah, it. right, yeah. But like <laughs> realistically, I mean, like a dollar a month. There are ten thousand gamers out there that spend so much more on uh, on uh, apparel in Call of Duty or something that. You know, doesn't even help. One them. bottle of water at your local gas station a costs month. more than a dollar a month. Yeah, ten thousand people. Give us a dollar a month. <laughs> Not to sound desperate or anything. Do it. <laughs> do it. It'd be so cool, dude, <laughs> if we could quit our jobs and do this. Oh my god, it'd be. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Like, it would be awesome. I'd be nervous. But I wonder it. how long it would take for me to like it, actually I, quit the job. I do. You, do you ever wonder? And then we'll we'll quit because it's getting late and I haven't even had dinner yet. But um, do you ever wonder if you ever actually got that dream, right? If you would eventually start to maybe hate playing video games. Mm. If you were forced to do it all day long, every day as part of your job. 
And it wasn't just what you did for fun as your hobby and your time, your downtime? I don't think you would hate it. I think you would look at it differently. I really think because it's kind of like how music is for me now. Yeah. I do music every weekend. Like if you guys are playing with me or not, like I'm usually out gigging and it's like, man, you know, there are some days where I'm just like, God, this is getting a little old. But then I'm like, part of me just has complete appreciation and respect for the hustle. And it's just like, dude. I'm doing this. Like this is awesome. You know what I mean? Like I get, Dude, I often think about get to I often it. think about just with respect to the band. If we were to get approached by someone to be like, "Hey, we need you to do this like year-long tour." Year. Jim. Like you have to quit your job to do this tour with us. Like what is the number that I would have to get financially to quit my job yeah. to do this for a year? Yeah. It would be crazy. I have these I have these freaking conversations with myself all the time. It's like obviously this shit'll never happen. But it's like it's one fun of those to think about. It's a weird mental exercise that's interesting to figure out like kind of what your what your priorities are. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean like you know it's it's weird when you start mixing the things that you love with income. Because yeah. It, it's it's weird. It's like charging somebody something for art. Not that this is art, but music. It's weird. I will admit, though, like those couple of shows that we've done where they've paid us like a lot of money yeah. compared to what we normally get. Mm-hmm. I do feel like you're ripping more people off. obligated and more excited to play better, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. Like, like you have more incentive to like really rock out and put on a good show and it like it's it's another thing that's like oh you know it's fun to play but when you drove an hour to get somewhere and they're barely paying you gas money to get up there and right. freaking kill yourself for 3 hours right. it's uh it's less exciting than when you drive for you know drive to get out there and they're going to pay you enough that you you know you got a little chunk of change when you go home right. I mean, that's it's interesting but it, I do, I do, I've always had that people have that, there's that old adage, it's like, do what you love, you never work a day in your life. I think mm-hmm. it's kind of bullshit if I'm being honest. But like, like, I wonder, you know, I think that there are certain people that if you did that, you just wouldn't love it anymore. Yeah. Or you would think about it differently, like you say. Like, it's interesting. I like, think it's what, impossible not to approach things differently, the things that you love. Because with music, like I said, man, like for me, like when I'm there, and I'm playing and the gear's set up and the drive's done and I got a, you know, a free meal and I know I'm getting paid and there's an audience and they're enjoying themselves. That's when I'm back in the pocket and I'm like, I'm happy I'm doing this. It's, yeah. it's preparing, you know, it, it's like either getting out of work early to go do it or it's like all the texts with you guys, like being like, okay, what time do we got to be there? Um, you know, what's the set Troy's always like what set list are we doing I don't have a fucking set list I gotta come up with a set list and I'm doing all this shit on my time and like it's stressful and then it's like then you kind of have to give yourself a little perspective and just be like yo man like so many people our age would like to be doing this you know what I mean like going and playing in a band like it's fun but it is it is work I just wish we had roadies (laughs) Imagine how awesome it would be if, like, we could just show up and play. Yeah. Well, let's keep working, man. Let's get that second we'll album just, out. We'll, we'll just have fucking chat GPT write our set list for us. Yeah. And then we'll just, like, have the roadies set up our shit. 
Like when we do those shows where we have pro sound and stuff, yeah. like it's, it's so much better. Dude, that Titusville Ironworks show was so fun. Yeah. Anyway, let's get out of here. I'm fucking All hungry. Right. I gotta and eat. then real quick, and we will, speaking of chat GPT, I've done a little research on how to get your podcast found. So I put the show notes in chat GPT and told it to write a podcast summary. So as a listener, if you want to look at the podcast summary, it was completely fucking written by chat GPT despite the the algorithm for our show. I didn't type this. It seems a little campy. It seems a little selly. But it's it's a fucking experiment. So bear with me. So if you see the synopsis of our show, chat GPT. Dude, it's like a fucking synopsis. Holy moly. I'm looking at it right now. It's so long. But it's good. <laughs> and like when people search shit, like any of this shit could come up. You know what I mean? It could like show our podcast. So fuck yeah, dude! It's a good idea. Yolo, yeah. I'll, I'll use AI all day long if it means we're gonna get more listeners. It's a fucking awesome synopsis. <laughs> like it's better. Like the the thing that I thought was hilarious was the TMNT thing. It says, uh, "Oh shit, I gotta put a space in there." It says the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are making a grand return with the latest movie, the last with the latest movie and the last Ronin video game on the horizon. We're in for a shell tastic revival. Like it's so fucking good. It's like I couldn't write that. You know, it's campy and stupid. Uh, it's kind of weird how that particular paragraph is written, yeah, but so be it. But it it sounds it sounds decent. E three fans, brace yourselves. Because it looks like the end of an era. Read Pop, a key <laughs> collaborator in the organizing events like E3 has officially cut ties with the ESA. <laughs> it's like, dude, like this is awesome. Like it's so easy. That's uh, funny. I am a little concerned about, uh, yeah, AI, but I will use it to try to get us more listeners who are not bots and very human like J1 is. So uh, <laughs> that being said, guys, we are going to uh, – we're going to close things out for today. You guys have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in and being a support of our podcast. And if we didn't sound desperate enough, uh, don't forget that you can, like Mike, go and uh, be a $1 patron of our show. So like Baldur's Gate 3, Banishers, Ghost of New Eden, and Beyond Good and Evil, P.S. Yes. This is awesome. This is awesome.